Legends of the Fall. We'll talk Al Michaels, the playoffs. And, of course, Tom Brady. In that way, in Houston left, I think you got you to gotta check out of it and get to something else. Oh, no. No. Oh, no, 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 Tom, no. You got three. Don't give away the three. Of course, they tried to play action, Pate. They didn't, he didn't have it. That's Tom's first interception in the red zone, I think, since he's been in Tampa. I don't think he's thrown one in three years. That is not like him, Dion. Wow. And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. John, let's get right to it. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Andrew, I'm going to start off uh, this show. Uh, who's up? I have Nick Khan, the CEO of WWE. Look, we're not wrestling guys, right? I couldn't pick the Miz out of a lineup. That's a, a wrestler, Andrew. Can you name one other wrestler? Well, I bet you I could pick him out of a lineup because he's probably the mo- the biggest guy by far. <laughs> Roman Reigns, may all, all those I, out there. I will say I don't watch wrestling as much as I once did. There has been a lot of upheaval at the WWE over the past week. Vince McMahon came back from a retirement. His daughter Stephanie then went into retirement. The company put itself up for sale and... It is, uh, it is about to sign the biggest sports media deal of 2023. But one underreported story in that uh, all of those headlines is the emergence of Nick Khan, the former CAA agent, who is now the sole CEO of WWE. Pre- previously, he was co-CEO with Stephanie McMahon. When Vince McMahon announced that he was coming back out of retirement. I assume the cons days at the WWE were uh, close to an end. And it looks like the opposite is true. It looks like McMahon is going to rely on uh, Nick Khan big time to help him sell the company, complete its media rights deal. Uh, who's up for the week? I definitely have it as Nick Khan. My who's up? The McCordys. The McCordys are coming. We see Jason McCordy every day on Good Morning Football at NFL Network. On Saturday, he was doing a playoff game on Westwood One Radio as the analyst uh, for the Jacksonville game uh, over the Los Angeles Chargers, the great comeback. Next day, he bought NFL Today. And Devin McCourty, uh, his brother, his twin brother, Patriot, maybe going to retire. He's on the NFL Today for a second time this year. I think you're going to see a lot of the McCourties going forward. You're already seeing a lot of them. uh, And we told you a little less than a year ago, that they really were the standouts at the NFL Broadcasting Boot Camp. And we're kind of seeing that go into effect. Uh, It starts off with Jason, who's had a really good year with Good Morning Football, fitting in with Peter Schrager, Kyle Brandt, and the whole team there. And uh, and now you're you're seeing possibly Devin uh, moving into the broadcasting realm. So the McCordys, they're coming. They might already be here. Already here. Uh, Podcast, uh, the podcast bump. Andrew, we had uh, we had the McCordy on as the uh, as a, the big get, and now look at it. I don't think we can take credit. Maybe Rutgers can take credit for him. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go to who's down, and I'm going to stay local to my DMV roots. Uh, go with uh, John Angelos, who is the owner of the Orioles, and it's no secret I'm an Orioles fan. I actually I don't dislike John Angelos. I think that he's had some successes since taking over and 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 running the team. 
meaning hired uh, Mike Elias as GM, a, a quality GM, helped rebuild the team's farm system, international scouting. The Orioles are close to becoming relevant again. But John Andros has not been accessible to the media or the team's fans. And when he held a press conference on MLK Day to announce a, a five, it was a $5 million gift to a Baltimore City nonprofit, you know, he brought a whole bunch of media members, including Baltimore Orioles beat, beat writers in to cover the, the announcement. Well, there are, even though I think that he's done a lot of really good things for the team, there are a million questions. There are persistent rumors about whether or not the team's going to move out of Baltimore. Uh, the brothers, the Angeles brothers are suing each other uh, right, right now. The future of the franchise in Baltimore has some legitimate questions. And when he was asked about those on MLK Day, he bristled and he suggested that to asking him on MLK Day, that wasn't the time uh, for, for the beat writers to ask these questions. Well, according to the Athletics' Dan Connolly, uh, Angelus has held only two face-to-face meetings with reporters in four years. I mean, there are a ton of questions surrounding this team's fans deserve better, and I, I wish that he would address a lot of those questions. All right, that's a good who's down, John. My who's down, ESPN and the Australian Open. Now, for years now, we've had COVID as a reason to not have broadcasters at events. But now, it's not a good excuse. ESPN has their courtside reporters, Darren Cahill, Renee Stubbs, and Pantriver. They're there. But Chris Fowler, John McEnroe, etc., are not in Australia. So two things here. Number one, you can tell me, well, they can just do it off of a monitor uh, in Bristol, and it sounds just as good. Nope, it doesn't. Number two is to really feel an event, you need to be there, okay? You need to hear the stories about it, to be able to call it. If you're Fowler, uh, you need to be live to really be able to, to give it a full call. Now, these guys are all professionals, so they can make it sound good. They've been covering tennis or, you know, in the McEnroe's uh, case, they've been playing tennis for a very long time. So, yes, they can get away with it. But what are you saying about the event? If you tell people the event's not that important, they'll believe you. I understand Australia's all the way around the world. It's expensive. It's two weeks. And this is a money decision by ESPN, but I don't think it's a good one. Even though uh, they have a lot of these events on ESPN+, Plus, they're taking the world feed. You need the broadcasters there uh, who are doing these events because, yes, they can get away with it. But over time, it erodes what you're doing and you're telling your audience it's not that important and they will believe you eventually. All right, Andrew, let's just get right into the topics. Uh, we just got through with Super Wild Card Weekend. When did they add the Super into that? What's wrong with Wild Card Weekend? <laughs> I think it was last year they did that. Oh, geez. So anyway, we got just got through with Wild Card Weekend. And to me, the biggest story is NBC's uh, production on Saturday where it was Al Michaels and Tony Dungy in the booth. And judging by my Twitter feed and the uh, and mentions, people were uh, uh, killing the booth on social media. You had uh, you reached out to Al. You actually uh, were texting with him while he was on a corporate jet flying from ja- uh, from Jacksonville back to his home in L.A. Uh, you, you wrote about this in your newsletter, New York Post Sports Plus, which is only less uh, encumbering than Warner Brothers Discovery Sports. I think we got to get that uh, a little easier. Cut it down. NYP Sports Plus, maybe we'll try to tell them to call it. First, I want you to take us through 
how you viewed uh, Al Michaels and Tony Dungy's handling of, of that game. Okay, number one, uh, Al called it internet compost in terms of the reaction from the internet, which was a tremendous line uh, that will <laughs> probably last and we'll keep that going for a long time. I wish I had him on tape with his uh, legendary voice saying internet compost. Uh, good line, but I don't think the internet was wrong uh, on this one. Uh, the game lacked energy. Uh, it was 27 nothing, uh, and it ended up 31-30. A lot of exciting moments. Now, Al Michaels' style for years has not been to scream. He has the gravitas where he can call a game that way. Uh, and when it's combined with someone like Chris Collinsworth, who was his partner the last 13 years, or John Madden before that, uh, who have the energy as an analyst, uh, it can work. Even though Al, Al has kind of gotten even more kind of laid back. If you go watch the Super Bowl, which he did a good job on last year for NBC, in my opinion, it wasn't that, you know, he wasn't as enthused as other people. You can you pair him at 78 with Tony Dungy, 67. Uh, Dungy's demeanor is just very low key. And they didn't have enough energy in those calls. And they missed some calls, too, uh, even at the end. Yeah, let's go through a couple of those calls. We have Al Michaels' final call of the game-winning field goal right here. Likely on Kansas City. Here we go for the win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field, but there's a penalty marker. And they call it on the defense. And just by comparison, I, I usually hate to do this because radio, you always have a better call on, on, on radio, it seems. But let's listen to how Ian Eagle called it on Westwood One. And here we go. Man. Matisic, the snapper. Cook, the holder. Patterson sweeps the leg. 36-yard attempt. It is good! <laughs> Jacksonville wins it! <laughs> I can't believe what we just witnessed. The Jaguars down 27 points come from behind. The roar of the Jaguars is real. 31 to 30, the final. One of the problems that, that we have is is uh, Al is if, if the, the best NFL play-by-play uh, announcer of all time. I, I I don't think it's even close. He's been doing this for a long time. So they're, uh, the number one NFL show since the the mid 1980s. Uh, and and so you know, we're, I I don't think that was a, a a great call. I think the energy was down. But I also think a lot of the things that people complained about his calling the Amazon games and calling calling games uh, bad at one point when when it was a 27 to nothing game. Uh, he, he essentially called the game over in the first in, in the first half, saying, "Oh, there's not going to be an overtime for this." And you know, so it, it's sort of something that a, a, a younger Al Michaels or Al Michaels in his prime almost certainly wouldn't have done. Well, it's two things. Al's right and wrong, in my opinion. Uh, he's right in that you want to be honest with the audience, right? And that's what he would argue with. The audience knows they they're aware of it. That said, the job is not to give up on the game. Right. The job is to call the game. So when it's 27 nothing, you don't have to sell it. 
but this is a playoff game. So you, and honestly, I mean, I could show you, I was texting with somebody the other day and I said, Jacksonville is going to come back. I didn't say they're going to win. I said, they're going to make it interesting when it's 27, nothing. And I'm not saying like that doesn't always happen, but uh, the way sports are right now, I don't know. Things like that seem to happen more and more. You need to stay with the game. I think if you listen to what they said overall, it wasn't that bad in terms of the words. It was the energy. And Dungy is not used to each other. Look, Michaels pines to work with Chris Collinsworth. He wanted Collinsworth as his partner uh, on Thursday night. I think he wanted him uh, possibly to work with him this Saturday. Uh, so he he wants to work with Collinsworth. You know, he and Kirk Herbstreet were okay. Uh, I think Herbstreet really tried to, to make that chemistry work. Uh, Al's been doing it a long time. But here's the thing where you can kind of get on Al, in my opinion. He's a legend, okay? We're not going to take anything away from him. But it's his job to look at Tony Dungy and make him better. So if he doesn't have the energy, then you have to bring them more energy. It's not, I'm just going to do it my way and that's it. You're a team. And so you're the your job as the play-by-play guy, as the legend, as the greatest of all time, is to bring, to, to figure out the broadcast, not just say, well, I want to work with somebody else. Your job is to figure out how to make this broadcast the best it can be. And now I was very happy with it, he said. And he liked Dungy, and I think he's right. Dungy didn't overspeak, but... And again, they were a new crew, so I don't think they're doing a three-man booth, but they needed some energy in there, and they just happened to get the game. This is the second year in a row NBC's had this issue. Last year was Drew Brees, who uh, essentially ruined his broadcasting career for now, game broadcasting career for now, when he froze on the Cincy Raider game. And Mike Tirico, it was really kind of strange, had to totally take over the game. Uh, and so uh, they're going to have to figure that out. You know, uh, Al is, is Al. So he could be back next year, but they're, you know, they can't use Herb Street, even though they did the whole year together because of the ESPN, Amazon, and, uh, you know, ESPN let them do Amazon, even though contractually, Nick Khan. I think way back when, got that contract, uh, you know, worded a certain way back in the day. So he was able to do that, uh, Kirk Herb Street. And so uh, then he's not going to do NBC. So they have to figure that out. Uh, but it was not a strong performance. But. Internet compost, strong performance. <laughs> and you know what? In his response to you, he referenced Pat Summerall. He referenced uh, a lot of these. Uh, Ray Scott. Uh, yeah, Ray Scott. These greats who the, take a less is more approach. And I agree with that. I don't need somebody screaming uh, uh, over it. But there is a happy medium. I, I think that, that 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 he took that to, uh, to, to, to an extreme almost. Look, I'm not taking anything away from Pat Summerall but he was a system quarterback. And what I mean by that is he had Madden. And so he was the perfect person for Madden. You know, CBS back in the day, what their decision came down to Vin Scully or Pat Summerall to be, uh, this is report I wasn't recording then, I, you know, uh, but <laughs> I didn't have that one. I was in like middle school, uh, but that's what it came down to. If John Madden with, with Vin Scully, I think he would have been fine. It would have been different though. Right. Vince Scully likes it. Vince Scully is great as he was. He liked things a certain way as well. Summerall was perfect for that. If Summerall was with a lesser analyst, he would have had to have changed or really wouldn't have probably been looked upon as one of the greats of all time. Andrew, the thing I like best about Wildcard Weekend is that you get to see the number one announcing teams and a couple of number two announcing teams with big national games. Uh, you know, you had Tariko Collinsworth. Buck and Aikman, 
Burkhardt Molson, Nansen Romo. You had Joe Davis, who was with Moose Johnson. How do you evaluate all those different groups? All right, so just looking at this overall this weekend, I think there's two buckets, right? You have the Buck Aikman uh, bucket, along who, who are with Tariko and Collinsworth, and then Burkhardt and Olsen, new members of that bucket. And why they're in one bucket is because when you listen to their broadcast, it's very coherent, they're getting along, and that's almost half the battle, right? Um, and Joe Davis and Moose Johnson, you know, it's okay. I'm not really putting them in either bucket, quite honestly. Uh, it's fine. Some people find Joe Davis a little too much yelling, but it's fine. It wasn't bad to me. It wasn't amazing either. Um, but that's a, those are a separate bucket. So that's one bucket. And then Nance and Romo, I mean, th- this is an issue. I mean, it's kind of gibberish. They're not on the same page. It sounds like they're doing two different broadcasts. And he interrupts Nance, like Nance is trying to make his final call at the end of the game. Romo interrupts him. Uh, they don't, you know, Nance is not a great play-by-play or like his calls at the end, you know, on touchdowns. A lot of times he focuses on like individual stats instead of like where the game is. Uh, and But the biggest issue is that they're not together. And when you listen to Buck and Aikman after 20 years, right, they they obviously sound together. Tariko is a pro's pro, right? Is he Al um, all time? Probably not, but he's on top of everything. And Collinsworth is a professional as well. They work well together. And then Burkhardt and Olsen, this is only their second year, but the thing that stood out so far that's really good for them is they like each other a lot. You can tell that when they're doing the game. And that's important because when we're watching games, it's like we're taking a seat next to... Yes, let, let me just interrupt you for a quick yeah. second. Like You... you... How can you tell as a viewer? How can you tell? Like, can you specific point to a specific example where it feels like because we know they grew up together and they do have a, a good relationship? But how did that manifest itself on screen? That's a tough question. You want me a specific example of when it, like, when they did something? Maybe not a specific example, but 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 like, uh, how does that come across on the screen? Because I I I think I feel it, but I know I know their backstory as well. Well, I think when they're they're working off of each other. Right. Like, again, I don't want to just pick on Nance and Romo, but they feel like they're trying to work together, but they're not really like they'd really be having a conversation together. Olsen and Burkhart feel like they'd be sitting at the 40 yard line, having a beer together, watching the game and saying similar things. And that's sort of like when you get back to John Madden, Summerall, get with Al and all his great teams that he's had over the years. Um, That's what you're getting. Right. And are those two people connecting when you're watching the game and like they would actually sit with each other and it's not like, you know, somebody's older uncle and a younger guy kind of at the game together, which is more what Nance and Romo kind of feel like. Uh, And so I think that's what I would point to, you know, Burkhart, um, you know, again, I haven't fully like, cause we have the Super Bowl coming up. I'm not going to fully like evaluate till I'll do like a Super Bowl review. So, but I'm like taking my notes in my head and all that. They've been pretty good. I mean, Olsen, the one thing for Olsen that he should work on a little bit is when he does, we've talked about this a number of times. When you do the football talk, I want, if you can't tell me in a sentence what you're talking about of what that football talk means, right? Then I, don't say it because I get it. Like there are people who will understand you know, I always use like cover two. I'll ask you this again, John. Tell me what cover There's two cover is. There's cover four as well, apparently. But do you know what cover two is? I don't even know what an A gap is. Exactly. So if you say cover two, say the the 
the, the safeties are shading the corners and they're helping them out. Like you just need that one. A gap explain. Not that I'm like an expert or anything. I, I could even be wrong in these, but that it's just like, you look at the line, there's the A, B, C, D, E, F, D. This is why we call it the A gap. And it is those little things, seven round. It's it's called a seven round because it's like a seven. It's like those little things. People like that because you're explaining football to them. You're still using the jargon. And again, Olsen's not overdoing it with that, but that's somewhere where he could go to another level if he's just explaining those things. Because sometimes he'll get into his zones. He'll talk about different levels and some other terms. And it's like, it's not like awful, but it's not great because it's just like a little bit over, I think, most people's heads uh, in terms of what you're trying to say. Like you could make the same point, but just simplify it after that. But again, overall though, those two are getting along. And when I get back to the Nance and Romo crew, they sound like they're doing the broadcast for the first time together. Like, you know, that, and that was Al and Dungy's problem because they were doing the game for the first time together. The Nance Romo crew, they're supposed to be getting, they, they should be in unity like Buck and Aikman, but they don't feel that way. So in your opinion, did Nance and Romo ever have that and they lost it or has that always been sort of a a problem but, but people overlooked it because uh tony romo brought so much energy and he brought so much uh and, and was able to predict plays or, or early on and, and 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 just kind of caught fire that way the narrative coming out of cbs and those close to nance was that nance made romo i would argue romo made nance better when they first started nance had just come off a bad relationship in terms of where the broadcast had gone with Phil Sims after they were considered pretty good. And then they did Thursday, Sunday, which is probably too much uh, for them. Uh, and then they went the wrong direction. So look, I think Romo is also hurt by the fact that he's not just off the field when you're just off the field after 14 years as a quarterback, looking at defenses, it's easy when it's the next year, or year after you still are seeing those same defense. The game evolves. And if you're not studying film every day um, going into these games, you don't see the game as well. Like, I think you can make an argument. Romo doesn't see the game as well as he did when he first came off the field, which makes sense. That's where studying becomes more important, where you have to put the time in on the film. You talk about Troy Aikman. He strikes me as um, he's putting in the time watching the film uh, and understanding the teams that he's covering Romo has been the shiny object. And I like Romo, like overall, I'm still not like totally like, I think Romo's, I think he can be good again. Uh, and he'll probably have like a good line or two, like in the final two weeks and everyone will like point to that, but just overall the broadcast between the two of them is a little bit too much gibberish. All right. I want to get a little bit personal with the clicker here. Uh, Monday night, Andrew, yeah. how did you watch that game? I know you have your, your, your multiple teams. Yeah. Well, my, yeah, midterm. So one of my kids was using my office to study. So I was downstairs. Uh, I had the iPad on with the Manning cast. And then on the big TV, I had uh, the Buck and Aikman. Yeah, I'm a two screen guy. I have one television screen, okay. which is stuck on the Manning cast. I love the Manning cast. And then I have Twitter up as well. So that's a, that's my second uh, second screen. Oh, that's so a, no Buck and Aikman. No Buck and Aikman. I, I, I stuck with, you talked earlier about wanting to have a beer with these guys and how much would I love to be in a sports bar sitting with the, the, the Manning brothers and Deion Sanders or the Manning brothers and Dan Campbell. And I just thought that that's how it felt. I, and I want to play one quick clip of uh, um, the roughing the passer penalty that happened in the game when uh, Deion Sanders was on. And I just thought the reactions were just so unique to watching television with uh, living legends. 
basketball guys. Come on, man. You can't even touch you guys anymore. You got, don't you guys want to play right now? Don't yes, tell the truth. Don't sure. you guys want to play yes. right now? Like this is ridiculous. Yes. This is the. This oh is my! The good look era. at this. Where this where's the roughing? Where is the roughing? Where is Laid the roughing? He hit him in the helmet a little bit. That's all. He he's kind of swiped. A little helmet. bit. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's just put a flag on him and just put a buzzer on him and you just got to push the buzzer. <laughs> what surprised me about this game is that I was very interested in the game. I mean, the Cowboys are, 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 are a, a, a huge team. Tom Brady's potentially last game uh, 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 going out there as well. And I thought when the Manning cast launched for a game like this, I'm going to go to ESPN. I'm going to watch it because I, I, I need to watch it that way. Uh, I started with Buck and Aikman. A couple of tweets uh, alerted me to, uh, to uh, uh, Deion Sanders being on. I went to the Manning cast and I never left. It, it's not a, a traditional play-by-play -play call, of course, but for me, it's just a really unique way of following the game and just hearing basically a podcast. I was into that game going in, you know, Tom Brady, Cowboys. So I wanted Buck and Aikman. I wanted that real game feel, big game feel. Uh, and I did. I had both going on, both sounds at, at certain points, and I had lower one. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's good to Manning. Here's a question. This is a clip I wish you had. At the end of the Manning cast, uh, Peyton asked Eli if he got any presents from any of the guests like they did last year. I think Snoop sent him, like, a chain or something last year. And he said, no. No, I got – the one thing I got was an Omaha Productions uh, blanket. Now, I don't know if you received this little <laughs> gift, but I got one of those – Blankets too. Did you get a Omaha Productions blanket? Are you kidding me? I'm not even on the on the mailing list. No, I did not get the Omaha Productions mailing. Right, well, that's not really the story. I'm not trying to be like, well, I got ESPN one. sent me potato chips. I'd rather have the oh, blanket. Potato chips. I don't know about that one. It's hard, guys. I don't want to. I know people. Uh, put a seasoning. Lot of I, yeah, I, I don't know about that one. Yeah. A nice box. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. But the. Wait, so Peyton sending Eli the same blanket that he's sending to me or whatever, whoever sends it from Omaha Productions? I don't think it came what? from Peyton. I mean, come on. You didn't, get, you didn't get the blanket, huh? No, and I, I'm the I'm as positive on those guys as anybody, Andrew. I, 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 listen, I don't listen. You can send me whatever you want. I'm not changing, okay? Anybody? I mean, <laughs> send me a blanket. I'm not gonna like send it back. I mean, thanks. I always tell people when they want, they like, can we send you something? Like, oh, yeah, no explosives. Take that bomb away from me. Take the bomb outside. All right, so let's get into uh, what could have easily led off this this discussion. Tom Brady is out of the playoffs. He is, uh, I don't think it's started yet, but he has a, a $325 million contract. 75. Don't shortchange him. Short $50 million. That's $50 among friends. Uh, are we going to see him in the playoffs, do you think? What, what, what are the odds in, in, in the Fox studio? I, I would say if we do, it won't be to the Super Bowl, if that even happens. I think that's possible, maybe the Super Bowl. He will not be in the booth. Like the idea that they'll throw him in the booth with Olsen and Burkhardt, I don't think there's any chance that's happening uh, for a lot of levels. Uh, if he thinks he's going to play, you know, I think he'll probably, uh, who knows what he'll decide. But if he's going to play, then maybe not, right? But uh, so... Anyways, to answer your question, I don't really have an answer for you. I did ask uh, about that after uh, Monday night's loss, uh, initially right after it. Uh, but so I don't really know, at least as we're taping, what will happen there. Um, 
for $375 million. You think he could stop by the studio? Maybe uh, give so him say a little hi, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, say hi. Uh, but uh, does that start the clock on these contracts? I don't know. I mean, that's something you probably they'd probably have to work out. I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's not how these, these things are sometimes ridiculous, right? You, you know, so uh, that's the one thing. Or does he give them like, hey, you know what? Pretty good contract you gave me. I'll come by for the Super Bowl. By the way, I checked in on it too. Uh, and I, the, the, the first response was, oh, your, uh, your podcast host already called in on this. So you beat me by, I, I don't oh, know how, how long you beat me on it. Um, yeah, I think I, when, uh, I might've checked in when, uh, when the interception by Brady is like, uh, maybe shortly after. <laughs> I waited for the, the, the triple zeros. And, yeah, yeah. You're like and I do believe uh, he's not going to, like you said, he's not going to be in the booth. And I believe that Fox doesn't know. Like I, right now, there are no plans that'll be on in the Super Bowl. And and uh, you know, if he decides to do it, that's that's something that that'll happen in the next couple of uh, of weeks. He definitely um, outside. Of, he's leaving Tampa. One other uh, quick uh, topic: Sean McVay, always somebody that people are looking at to to come out and uh, and do something um, uh, w- with broadcasting. What do you think? If there was a top broadcasting job for him to take, I think he would have left. I think uh, Peter King had something about maybe some regret about not taking that Amazon job last year. I mean, to me, from afar, I don't know Sean McVay. Uh, it did seem like really good timing. You win the Super Bowl. They offer you $20 million. You go work with Al Michaels. Uh, you could sit back, collect your 20 mil, and pick whatever job you want coming out. Now, 5-12. and 12, He's going to go back. Uh, you know, he's going to have to turn around a little bit and have a good year or two to keep that shine on him. I mean, he'll still have it. I mean, he's still is going to be wanted. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't, he's in position where he doesn't have to be a guy. He's in his 30s. He's already making close to, I think, you know, in the $20 million range as a coach. So he has plenty of money. Uh, so he can wait for that right opportunity. I wrote this in NYP Sports Plus. We just changed the name. NYP sports plus now. So I think the job that you could see him maybe going for is a uh, Collinsworth's uh, that's about three years down the road uh, because he'll do a super bowl. Greg Olson's putting himself perhaps in a position for that job too, though. If Brady comes out, Olson continues to do well, has a good super bowl. It could have two of the next three super bowls. Uh, so, you know, he could do that job I and mean, Collinsworth could keep going. I don't want to tire Chris Collinsworth either. It's not a free agent frenzy, but there still is a, some potential movement there. It's always I love frenzy. It. That's why it's <laughs> people love free agency. Let's transition uh, into college football. I had a story, quick thing. Catherine Tapp into the Big Ten. She'll be the sideline reporter on NBC's new primetime uh, network. But the big question is, who's going to be the commissioner of the Big Ten? And is you know, it going to be a- TV executive, John, let us know. Yeah. Let us know now. I, I love doing these stories about who the next commissioner is going to be. And I, I'll always promote the media executives because they, they do the biggest deals that are out there. Here's a problem with uh, getting a, a TV executive right now is that the, their media deal is done for for a uh, long, long term. So the names that, that consistently come up, you know, Burke Magnus, who has a big job at ESPN now, but he also is the guy that launched the... ACC network, the SEC network. He uh, cut his teeth on ESPNU. He's all, he's somebody that knows, understands, and loves the college game, uh, and somebody who would be great in that position, I think. Uh, Mark Silverman, he ran the Big Ten network. He's now uh, a president over at Fox. Uh, he's one of the guys that helped negotiate these media deals for the Big Ten. He loves the Big Ten. He lived in Chicago for qu- quite a while. 
Uh, is that is that something that that he would want to do? His name comes up a lot, but the uh, it's not really a dark horse anymore. It's been it's been out there. The one I'm looking at is the SEC and the Big Ten have really separated themselves from the ACC, the Big Twelve, and the uh, and the Pac-12. The ACC commissioner is Jim Phillips, who used to be the uh, athletic director at Northwestern. He has Big Ten ties. He, he's cut his teeth as commissioner at the ACC. Uh, could he? Could is this something that he could be interested in? I think that's uh, that's worthy of uh, of taking a look at. The one thing that we do know is George Plyakov wasn't on anybody's list. Like he just sort of came out from nowhere. Uh, Brett Yormark at the Big Twelve. Nobody would have predicted that he he would have uh, gone in there. So the traditional route of you need to be an AD or you need to be in sort of college sports to rise up to commissioner, that's been thrown on its head by the Pac-12, by the Big 12. Yeah, that, that is a big job. And they do have the long-term deals with, the, you know, with uh, not ESPN, with NBC, CBS, and then, of course, Fox, which is running the whole thing there at the Big 10. Uh, maybe they should just make like Fox the commissioners. Eric Shanks as commissioner. Eric Shanks is the commissioner. Is he the commissioner of the USFL? Uh, he could be both, right? Yeah. Isn't it Moose Johnson? Yeah, All the right. pipeline, Big Ten to the USFL. And Andrew, before we leave, I should mention Kevin Warren also was a non-traditional hire for the Big Ten. He came from the NFL, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, into the Big Ten role. Another big surprise when he got hired. Yep, now back to the Bears for, for Warren. Are you at a hiring uh, story uh, last week, at the end of last week, you're running the uh, podcast rules. You're supposed to do it before we have the podcast, not after. So you got your timing right there. But <laughs> Philly Chambers to Major League Baseball. Uh, just explain, please, if you can, who Chambers is, what it means, and where we're going. Uh, this move by baseball to hire Billy Chambers is the first real step baseball is making to solve its RSN problems. Billy Chambers is a veteran regional sports network executive. He spent, I think it was two decades at Fox Sports and at, at Sinclair. He's the one that is in the room doing these uh, these rights deals with all of the teams. He knows the the he knows these deals inside and out. And baseball hired him in order to figure out what to do with these rights. The problem is baseball doesn't own these rights yet. So so uh, Billy Chambers is in a uh, and all of baseball, they're in a holding pattern, waiting to see what happens with uh, the Sinclair's Diamond Sports. Uh, we've heard a lot of noise recently about potential bankruptcy happening or or, there, or you know some sort of deal uh, trying to happen. Uh, what is going to happen once they figure out what happens with the Diamond Sports? What then happens with the Warner Brothers Discovery uh, Sports RSNs? What happens with the uh, NBC Sports RSNs? Uh, and then the thorniest issue is trying to get these big market teams like the Yankees with Yes Network or the Dodgers in, in, in Los Angeles, the Cubs with their network to uh, come in with those rights as well so that you can come. The idea that baseball has is they want to amass all these rights. They want to use probably MLB Network to uh, to show regionalized games. So if you're in the East Coast, you see you know uh, w whatever game you, you get. And, and if you're on the West Coast, you see whatever game is in, in, in your your market. And also stream these games complete with extra innings, do a, do away completely with blackouts and just come go forward with a, a, a robust um, uh, service 
that both streams and sells uh, directly to cable operators. Uh, the idea, uh, cable operators and satellite operators. I mean, I've talked to a, a couple distribution executives and they're pushing for this. They want to get some sort of ownership I, take. I need a siren here though. I need a siren here. But you just said something major that honestly maybe should have been at the time. So you're saying that MLB is gonna turn MLB network into basically your one-stop shopping for games in terms of in your region, possibly. I don't know if it's going to be MLB Network or if they're or if they're going to do deals with cable distributors and satellite distributors to get space adjacent to MLB Network. But it's going to be ML, uh, like MLB Network, which, by the way, is suffering through the exact same sub uh, decline as everybody else. Uh, it's and so you're going to get the distributors buying the game so that you and me. With our cable bundle, we, we can still watch those games. But if you give it up, you're going to be able to watch whatever game streamed for whatever the price is going to be. All right, I'm sure Billy Chambers is getting paid a nice salary. He's going to have to figure that out. Because I will have to talk about We're going to have to get more into this. I'm going to have to do some re I just don't understand how that totally will work. Like, at least in New York, right? With the Mets and Yankees. You're going to be screwed in New York. We are screwed. Hey, no, hey, I don't want to hear that defeatist attitude. I want to hear you upbeat. We're screwed. You go. You're going to try to talk the Yankees into into playing nice. Why with, would they do uh, this? They, they wouldn't. I mean, they they, they right. that that's that's going to be the big problem. Right. It's going Billy to Chambers. It's also going to be a problem in in my neck of the woods with Masson because they're like, why they're they're an independent RSN? Why why do they need to get in? You know, as a, a DC. well, I mean, look for survival. I mean, if you're like the Pirates or some of these smaller market teams, you'd want to do this. Love perhaps, it. absolutely, especially when. If they're under Diamond Sports, when they go bankrupt, then where are you getting the money? Yeah, and yeah. Well, and, and and so yeah, the 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 first domino to fall is going to be the Diamond Sports and those and those RSNs and whether or not baseball can gain control of those rights. And this is going to be one of the largest stories in sports because this is going to affect teams' payrolls and paying everybody. This is going to be this is emerging story uh, that is kind of like you said at the end of last year. Or maybe at the beginning of this year, when you're looking up and you had you you phrased it, it's kind of like a hurricane that's going up the eastern seaboard. Uh, <laughs> it is coming. It's you know it's. Uh, I mean, I don't. Know, it's a little scary. And here's the problem: they they don't know whether it's going to be five months, a year, two years. But but yes, something is happening, and th th this is baseball's first step to make it happen. Well, now Billy Chambers is like in the middle of the storm. He's like he's got the umbrella. It's breaking. Can he put it together? We lost our Chris Ripley. We have our Billy Chambers, though. Yeah. There you go. All right. Before we <laughs> go to call of the week, let's finish it up. Netflix and sports. You had a column on that. Uh, first of all, what can you tell us? Let's just get a little go a little bit into that. Uh, Netflix is is big on sports, a Andrew. The problem is they're not big yet on live sports rights. So they're they're out there and um, uh, they're doing. All of these series, they're like Drives to Survive. They have one on tennis. They're going to have one on golf. Uh, I did one. They're doing uh, one on the Six Nations Rugby, on the World Cup. They love dabbling in sports. Uh, they're also doing a lot more in terms of, you know, uh, live type events. They're getting these award shows, uh, rights to some of these award shows. They're doing some game shows. So they're they're testing here and there, and they're seeing what works. But I can see all my our friends out there from all these networks and new platforms like Amazon, even Apple. John, you just said they're big on sports. I mean, not really. 
I mean, this is like ESPN. This is ESPN. Like uh, they do this every other day. They do they do things. I know. I understand. Drive to Survive was particularly successful, but I, I don't know if they're big on. No, sports. when I said I, I was trying to make a play on words, they're big on sports, but it's uh, sports documentaries. I mean, they're they're big on that. They're not going to be. A real but even player. that though, I mean, everyone has it. HBO Max, everyone has these sports documentaries. I get it. They've done well. They've had they've hit, they they hit one home run so far, and they might hit another. The golf thing looks like that'll be probably another winner. Well, and and they they had the Redeem Team documentary. They they have a they have a pretty significant uh, right. a number of sports docs. Right, John, I think that's because you talked to Brandon Reed from Netflix, and he's from the DMV. So you just you have a kinship with the guy. Big Commanders fan. He said he loves. All of the DC uh, local sports, so I'm going to pitch him on the Gilbert Arenas documentary. We need to see that. Come on, pretty good, pretty good. All right, John, let's wrap it up. Our call of the week. Call of the week. Mike Tarico on what they're calling the fumble in the jungle. Right around Hundley, he reaches. Oh, that ball's out. That's live. Back the other way, Sam Hubbard, the Cincinnati kid. Hubbard's got a convoy. Chased by Andrews at the 30, the 20, he will score. We talk about energy. He brought the energy. He didn't scream. He wasn't uh, sort of outside himself. I, I'm a big Tariko fan. I think Tariko calls a very professional game. And I thought that that was, he, he rose to the, the moment on that one. Excellent call. He's really well prepared, Tariko. Uh, he knew. Uh, the guy returning uh, the fumble from Cincinnati, uh, which, you know, you should know. But that's what that's why you do the research. That's where you're if you're a broadcaster, when you do the extra studying, when you do the extra hour that you don't necessarily want to do during the week, that's when that shows up uh, and it showed up on that call. Another point, Collinsworth didn't say a word uh, during the call. Let Tariko have the runway, which is important. Uh, so he could complete the call. And then Collinsworth said his piece. Uh, and so uh, really good job there. Uh, so a good a good weekend uh, for Tariko. And by the way, we should mention that was uh, Fred Gadelli's final game in the uh, in the truck. Fred Gadelli, longtime producer of uh, Sunday Night Football back with ESPN. And he, he moved over to, to NBC as well. He announced that he sort of be kicking himself upstairs. And that was uh, his last one in the booth. And uh, what, a, what a call to send him out on. Yep, last one in the truck. And uh, I guess he'll maybe be in the truck a little bit for Amazon next year. He'll still be on Amazon. but uh, And then he'll be an executive uh, with NBC Sports. I did like when they showed Gadelli. He did not, like at the, in the, during the game, uh, to pay tribute to him, he did not look at the camera. I thought that was tremendous. It's like, By the way, you know. I'm, I'm focusing on doing my job. What makes a good booth is like, you know, you, you, you set each other up, you know, and I said Fred Cudelli was in the booth and you just naturally went and talked about the truck there. You didn't call me out on it. I appreciate that. Well, I, thank you. You're thank a professional, you. Andrew. You're thank a professional. You all, yeah, exactly. I just ignored it. <laughs> now you pointed out. Now everyone who didn't even, you know, they've already like, oh gosh, this thing's finally over. Now they now you, they know you, you made the mistake. All right. We want, but listen, despite that, if you could like us. You like me. If you could give us the five stars, if you make a comment, uh, that's nice. We appreciate all of you listening uh, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. 